Jewish Latin Princess, episode 52, Fruma Rosenberg Gottlieb, author of Awesome Aging. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Moadim Lasimcha, everyone. This is the week of Chola Moed Pesach, and you're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm your host, Yael Trush. Welcome to the show. I had an awesome two sederim with friends and family. Our custom is to have one seder where we host guests, and our children are active participants in that, of course. But then we have a seder which we dedicate exclusively to our children. They can shine, they can show off their haggadahs, they share insights that they've learned in school, they ask questions, sing, perform, etc. We went till two in the morning each night and it was a lot of fun on the first night which was the one where we had guests we had piñatas with the 10 plagues and plagues falling all over our heads it was hysterical anyway today i couldn't be more pleased to be celebrating this week of passover by bringing you my old-time friend fruma rosenberg gottlieb author of awesome aging in Awesome Aging, Fruma is teaching people over 50 how to live the third act of their lives with mo- more meaning, dedicating time to those activities that nourish their values and passions. How appropriate to talk to Fruma on this week where we're all working on letting go of self-imposed shackles and become free to really be our highest self. She shares with us her journey from an affluent reform young woman searching for meaning, involved in transcendental meditation, to becoming an observant woman, who later on co hundreds of women throughout her career as a life coach and spiritual mentor. She's been cited in Time magazine as an expert on mindfulness and Judaism and in Ariana Huffington's book Thrive. She's appeared in the Oprah Winfrey show and in the best-selling sm- book Small Miracles. Let me ask you this. Do you have a mission statement? How much effort are you dedicating to cultivating relationships in your life? And why is that even important? Why should we all be taking at least five minutes to meditate a day? And how could we use our breathing throughout our day to keep us mindful in the moment and not frazzled? These are just some of the awesome tips that Fruma shares with us today. Here we go, ladies, with the awesome Fruma Rosenberg Gottlieb. Fruma Rosenberg Gottlieb, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thanks, it's nice to be here. It's really such an honor and a pleasure. I feel like life coming full circle. You had so much to do with me being where I am today, an observant woman, a Chabad woman, mother of four children, because, well, I became observant at your son's home. <laughs> and that's how we know each other. I remember well, and and uh, I'm proud of you every time I see you. Yeah. <laughs> we spent many Shabbat afternoons and many holiday afternoons chatting and you know getting to know each other I was then a young woman and so I'm totally honored and humbled at the same time to have you on the show you just published your first book awesome aging congratulations thank you thank you and I want to talk about awesome aging but first I want to talk about your career path there's a really interesting journey here um, as an educator, you're a spiritual mentor, you're a certified life coach, specializing in personal growth, relationships, addiction coaching, you're a sought after lecturer, and you've been teaching concepts such as mindfulness, emotional and physical health, um, mind control, happiness, way long before those words became buzz and trendy and hit the mainstream. In fact, you were cited a long time ago in Time Magazine as an expert in mindfulness in Judaism. Uh, you appeared in Oprah Winfrey show. I mean, you you were featured in the bestseller book Small Miracles. All of this while raising your beautiful large family, which we'll get to also. But I want you to take us back in time, Froma, because I do know that given the upbringing that you had, one maybe would have not expected that you would have become an expert in in, in your field. So take us back in time. Go, let's go back down memory lane and, and tell us what happened. Well, it's a long time, but I'll try and make it short. Um, I, I grew up in a um, 
very affluent reform family. Um, my, my parents were extremely, extremely empowering in terms of ethics, in terms of self-image, etc., and so forth, um, but not particularly involved in anything spiritual. Um, so I started a journey um, all the way back in the college days when um, I became one of those um, hippies that they talked about in Time Magazine, <laughs> speaking of Time Magazine, and um, found myself on the island of Kauai, Hawaii, um, looking, I was, I was there as a, um, as a volunteer in service to America, but I was really there in service to myself as well. I was looking for meaning in life, and, um, and um, I was looking every place. I looked at, at Buddhism, I looked at Transcendental Meditation, I looked at um, some of the uh, alternatives of the, that moment that I don't like to talk about in front of my children, mm -hmm. and um, and and I wound up getting um, involved with um, a, a Maharishi, the same Maharishi that the Beatles were so involved with, um, and involved in transcendental meditation, and then later involved with um, natural foods, and in fact. I moved to Boulder, Colorado in the 1960s and started a little natural food store in my home, which grew into um, a chain of eight large food stores, which now morphed into Whole Foods. <laughs> and there was a guy working for us in our store who um, had this great idea for a tea business and came to us, asked us if we could fund him. We loaned him $5,000 to start his business. And... Six months later, he came back to us and said, I have your money back. Would you like to be my partner or would you rather take back your money? I said, um, I think we'll take back our money. And my husband, of course, listening to everything that I always suggested, <laughs> agreed. And um, my friend went on to be Celestial Seasonings <laughs> and later sold it to Kraft for $89 million. So, um, so, so anyway, I was, I was, a, I was a, an explorer and a pioneer. And I was always in, interested in, in relationships and psychology and calm and happiness. And so I looked for that everywhere. But you grew up in New York City, which is the opposite of calm and happy. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I, we moved down to Deal, New Jersey when I was about six, which is a pretty happy place. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah. So you're in Boulder, you are involved, you have your natural food store, you're involved in transcendental meditation. What happens next? So we had this very good friend who was in the natural foods business living in upstate New York, and he invited us to come for Shabbat. And when we came, not really knowing what to expect, it was as though all the years before that, I had been knocking on people's doors and saying, hello, is my mother here? You know, and people would say, well, no, but here's a mantra guaranteed to take you to places of higher consciousness, or here's a rice ball, or whatever it was. And finally, we came to this Shabbat table, and it was like, here's mother, and she's there with her arms open saying, where have you been all your life? And we literally sold our farm over the telephone Saturday night. Um, no way. Yeah, and, and moved to the East Coast to, to, to spend a year, we thought, at that point in time, just exploring the Jewish calendar and finding out about our roots. But wait, we, we, I have to poke this a little bit. What was there at that Shabbat? That, 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 what, what was palpable? What did you feel that you hadn't felt doing all these other forms of spiritual practices? Yeah. Okay. So I, I felt, I think two things at the same time. One was an overwhelming sense of community and kinship with the other people that were sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. and, and perhaps even more than that, some kind of a historical imperative, you know, like mm -hmm. if I believe in God and I was born Jewish, so why am I looking every place else instead of, you know, under my own, um, rub to find what it is that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then you start this journey of self-discovery and how did you become interested? You're already, I could tell you were a very intellectual person. So everything started very from the intellect, but how does, 
How do you start becoming interested in this merge of psychology and Torah and the spirituality within Torah? Okay, so I think as much as I was intellectually oriented, I was all about heart oh. and relationships. Okay. And, and, um, and some sort of calm, quiet, Still, you know, small, still voice that 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 wanted to be heard and 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 wanted to be nurtured, and I I just felt that I could find that looking through um, classic Jewish tradition and and seeing where is this wisdom that you know has been handed to me because it's my historical legacy, mm-hmm. my cultural legacy, my spiritual legacy. What does it have to say about the things that I'm passionate about and I love? What does it say about marriage? What does it say about child-rearing? What does it say about finding inner peace? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I've heard so many times so many people feel that those things are not Judaism. Judaism is ritualistic. It has nothing to do with the things that you described. Um, yet you found those things in Judaism, and obviously I found them too. So... You know, how do we address this? Yeah, that that's sad. It, it's it's um, I've I, you know I've heard it a lot as well, and I must admit that the first time we were going to a Shabbat meal, and uh, I I said to my husband, "Do we really want to do this thing? It's pretty archaic. I mean, what difference does it make whether you turn on a light on Saturdays or not?" I found out what difference it made. You know, to, to me, the 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 idea of 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 Shabbat was really the idea of having an island in time that was reserved for my family without all of the external demands of, you know, our busy lives. There was no telephone, no driving anybody to a soccer game. It was about having private time and being able to bond and, and, and not being called upon to, um, to perform yeah, you know, in terms of uh, financial, you know, things, it, it was just wow, just wow. And and um, so I think the first sense of peace is, is was this idea of having this family day where where we walked every place, and you know, suddenly you saw things in your own neighborhood that were always there that you never noticed because you never had time to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, suddenly you saw things in your own family dynamic that you never noticed because you never made the time to look because you didn't even know that that time existed without the gift of of, of Shabbat. Right. So that was big. That was very big. Also, I think. Um, the idea of trust, you know, is 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 very very big in Torah, and um, until you start to learn it deeply, sometimes you can overlook it. And, and what I mean by that is, um, there's a, there's a concept in Torah that not a leaf turns without God willing it to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's another concept in Torah that God loves you like an only child. You know that literally, if He had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. So, (laughs) so, and I I even think the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that and said, and that's because we don't even know how to, how to even explain the concept. That's the closest we have for us to comprehend the love that Hashem has for every individual. So it's a very powerful thing. Exactly. So if you, if you, if you are holding this value that, that God loves you like an only child and that God is actively involved in every moment of your life. Mm -hmm. So you can let go, you know, to a certain degree of the things that are beyond your control and and get it, you know, get it. Like, hi, this is God speaking. You're not in charge. You know, oh, wow, I'm not. I'm so glad you told me. Now I'm relaxed. Which doesn't mean, you know, that I I don't plan. It doesn't mean that I don't work hard. Uh, It took a long time to write this book. I'll tell you that. And it's taking a lot of energy to, to do the publicity for it. But but it means that you understand that um, that that you make the baskets or the pitchers for the blessings to pour in through your hard work, and then ultimately whether or not you succeed in it is is up to you know God putting His blessings there for you. 
Correct, correct. Pruma, I think in the late 1970s, you might have been part of a group of people um, at the the time that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was addressing the concept of meditation and teaching Jewish people um, about meditation within our context. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, in the late 19th, well, let me step back for one second. Yeah. I think that um, anxiety and depression are the, the two monsters that we wrestle with as a people, you know, more than anything else. And so it was only natural for people to be looking for um, some cures. And, and one of the cures that, that was very popular in the 70s was, was meditation um, and not necessarily meditation that was streamlined for somebody who was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Rebbe, understanding that, came to a group of us, sent us letters saying that um, it was really important for there to be a form of meditation that was kosher, meaning void of those um, connections to, to gurus and, and, um, and Hindu god, gods and goddesses, etc., and so forth, and, and Buddhist monks, what have you, that, that was simply a um, means of achieving relaxation and calm. And that, you know, the people who understood meditation, you know, and who were now involved in Judaism needed to um, exercise their muscles and their brains and get it together and, and put together that kind of a technique. So, mm-hmm. so, so we can, as Jews, practice meditation then? Yeah, absolutely. Not only can we as Jews, but we have a long historical tradition to meditate. Tell us. In a, yeah. In, in when it talks about Isaac in, in the fields um, and when, when Rebecca first comes and sees him, it says he was in the fields meditating. And, and we see um, in, in many places, we see uh, about people who chose to be uh, shepherds and lead that kind of pastoral life when there were other options that could have been in the marketplace because they wanted some kind of a quiet, meditative lifestyle so that they could think about what they were doing, be conscious of, you know, spirituality. Mm-hmm. But I have to ask the question, Firma, because even for us observant women, life could be really hectic. And even observant women can feel totally frazzled. We're also getting pulled in a million directions, or maybe we just allow ourselves to be pulled, um, because really we, we can be present wherever we need to be present. But... Um, how do we? How do how do we? How do we? How do we address this? So it, you know, it's um, there was a, a famous uh, author by the name of Chaim Mozada in the 12th century who said that when a person is rushing all the time, they they don't act from their highest self. Yeah, causing mm-hmm. much more um, confusion and and stress than might otherwise be. This guy was driving a gondola down the streets of uh, the rivers of Venice, and it's amazing that he knew what the word rushing even meant. So, so, so you know, I, I think that there's a lot of um, quick fixes that we can choose. One of them is our breath. You know, no matter where we go, as long as we're alive, we breathe. So the idea of practicing deep breathing the idea of doing um, cleansing breaths, for example, I, I encourage people to take one deep breath and as they exhale to let go of all of their past, a big order. Mm-hmm. With second breath to inhale and as they exhale to let go of all of their worries about the future. And with the final breath, as they inhale, just fill themselves up with this moment, and as they exhale, just come fully present into this moment, not think about anything else. So that level of um, focus, how long did that take? 
You know, if we do that in the carpool line, if we do that when we're online in the supermarket, if we do that when we see a um, bumpy moment in front of us and we start to feel that feeling of being up tense, uptight and tense, mm-hmm. breathe in. Even, even shorter than that, you can breathe in the word let and breathe out the word go. You know, breathe in connection to your higher power. And breathe out anxiety. Just being conscious and mindful changes everything. You don't have to take time out to do it. It really does. And it's free. (laughs) It's free. Absolutely. So let's talk about your book, Awesome Aging. Why this book? You know, aging is in secular society and, you know, in the world around us, it's seen in a very different light than Judaism sees aging. Um, and I'm so happy that you've put this work, this book out there because it's greatly needed. So talk to me about this book. What was the impetus? Love to. So the impetus was um, a picture of the Rebbe in my living room. Okay. <laughs> and, and the realization that when I became religious, the Rebbe was 70, and I never thought about how old he was. Because there was no such thing as, as age to the Rebbe. Maybe it was something that was you know on, on your driver's license or on your passport. But it didn't define your, your level of, um, of effectiveness in the world. In fact, when he was 70, that's when he really started his full charge um, uh, expansion into, into the world. And we live in a society that's so ageist. You know, it's, it's, uh, if you even look in, in um, contemporary movies, you see that they make jokes about older people. It's a very a common, um, you know, occurrence in, in, in movies. And yet, in America, there's more than 10,000 people retiring every day. Right. So, so, you know, how do we overcome these concepts of aging and, and make the third act of our lives really, really meaningful? I, I think I took the, um, for the most part, my husband and I took the, the the tools that we had cultivated up until this point in terms of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and terms of relationships, in terms of meditation, in terms of you know, cultivating trust and being in the now, and, and in terms of um, how a person defines their values and their principles in life, and apply it all to this new stage of life where, where in reality um, people do have more time. And... And and for some people that that time becomes um, empty and and confusing and sad like Sundays. Mm-hmm. Some people I know are like ah Sunday I can't handle Sunday because it doesn't have a schedule in it. It doesn't have these you know expectations that at eight o'clock you're at the door and etc. and so forth. So how do you deal with Sundays? So I feel that you know that the time from really from 50 onwards when the kids are mainly out the door mm-hmm. is, is like a, a Sunday. And, 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 you know, it's a time where you really have the freedom to choose your values and principles and live by them wisely without having to think so much about um, diapers and, and carpets. Yes. There's less things and down. Yes. Yeah, and it's a shame that in, in America, you know, older people really have taken the back seat to to youth when um, when, for example, Google did a um, uh, a lot of research, you know, on on aging, and what they found was that while younger people can process bits of material more quickly, mm-hmm. they can't put the whole puzzle together. Mm-hmm. That comes with and, and maturity. And so they started to hire more older people to be their thinkers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Which reminds me of our concept in in Jewish mysticism of Chochmah Bina and Das, that Mm -hmm. that level of putting everything together into Das, into real comprehension of the full picture. It really takes years of experience and being able to really connect the dots together and wow very 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 cool very cool so is this book for everybody or is this book for solely for a jewish audience 
No, the book is for everybody. Mm, uh, cool. But I, I think that our audience is mainly defined by people who are over 50. Mm-hmm. Um, although it, the, the tools that we talk about and use throughout the book are tools that my grandson loves to read about, you know, and says he's gained so much from my my. 30-year-old neighbor said, wow, <laughs> if I had known these things when I was 25, I could have redefined my life. But <laughs> right, because I was going to say, yeah. it's almost yeah. like we really need to be practicing these things from, uh, from an early age so that we can pull them from our bank when, we're, when, when the kids are out of the house. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But, but even in terms of right now, you know, what principles define who you are? As you said, we all have a limit limited amount of time in every day and we always feel like we're rushing so if we took the time to draw back the bow so to speak to sit down and figure out what what are my governing principles and what are my passions and then to decide when we're planning out our week you know aside from the carpool and aside from the shopping and and you know are the things that i'm using my time for really things that nurture my principles and my passions yeah and if not maybe i can you know dismiss them you know i i i i made a mission statement and and i i use my mission statement a lot in determining whether i'm going to do something or not so if yes. you want to hear my mission statement i have it right in front of me uh, i want to hear it yes and i have one too and i i, I want to hear it tell us okay it says, I effectively inspire and empower others and myself towards tangible personal transformation. I cultivate presence of mind, purposeful habits, social and emotional intelligence, and harmonious relationships. I practice loving kindness, respect, compassion, persistence, gratitude, creativity, and joy. I am receptive to divine wisdom and conscious of divine unity. Physically, my commitment to daily exercise and healthy eating keeps me strong and well. Emotionally, through daily meditation, regular in- entries into my gratitude journal, and intentional choices of positive thoughts and language, I attain inner calm. Mm. Intellectually, through meaningful reading, lectures, and workshops, my knowledge and wisdom grow ever deeper. Spiritually, the specific blocks of time I devote each day to prayer, learning, and good deeds leads me towards a 24-7 sense of connectedness. I am getting better all the time. Wow. Wow is all I have to say. So so wait a minute. Let's explain to me something. So this mission statement, do you look at it every day? Is it framed in your kitchen? How does this work? Well, I have it on my refrigerator because it's a place that I always go. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it, it's on my computer, but I manage to overlook it when it's there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you revise it often? I was going to say, and, and, and it's, you know, and it's a, a work in, in progress always because we're works in progress yes. always. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then it was very telling of the of the habits that you practice daily, which is something I wanted to get to. So... You, you obviously have set up your, your days in a way that, that, are, that, are, that are conducive to, achieve, to being where you want to be. You talked about a practice of prayer. You talked about a practice of meditation. Let's go through some of those habits. What are those, what are, you don't have to go through all of them, but what are those, some of the key things that you do habitually, consistently that help you? That's a great question. You're an awesome interview. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, so the the first thing is um, there was a study done not very long ago at Harvard. It actually took seventy five years to accomplish on what defines happiness. Yeah. It's, and they found they started with men who were nineteen year old sophomores in college, and they followed them through for seventy five years. They're not all with us anymore. And they found that absolutely heads and shoulders above everything else was relationships. Mm. Good relationships defined joy in life. So, so for example, I have a certain non-negotiable time that I spend with my husband every day. It's essential in my life, and nothing stands in the way of that. 
And that took a lot of work to, to get to because we can we always seem to think that um, our husbands are grown up like we are, and so we can put off that time and give it to the children. Yes. But if we're not on the same page and if we're not, you know, cultivating our love, I don't think love is a thing. I think it's a verb, and I think that it, you know, that just like, like, running or spinning or swimming it's a verb that takes practice and that if we don't do it constantly we get out of shape so so that's a that's a non-negotiable having having quality time with my husband you know that i had sarah hannah ratcliffe on the show and she told me that uh, a, a consistent regular date with your husband that has nothing to do with the budget with the kids with the yeah. who's yeah. coming back from school or what you know airport airlines all that stuff is not just a nice thing to do. She said it is so important. Like she said, she said to me, she said, she said it's 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 a it's a it's a thing that you have to do if you want to stay out of the therapist office in the future. hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, it's not it's not just for us everyday folks. You know, the laboratory Rebbe said that his time with his wife was at his daily time with his wife was as non-negotiable to him as putting on his tefillin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right? So, 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 that, so that's one of my, my um, habitual behaviors. And, um, sometimes we, we, um, we do this thing called habit stacking, where if you have one habit that you've acquired, then if you can attach another one to it, so there's more of a chance that you're going to succeed in the second one. Yes, so, it's been proven, yes. So, so we, um, we, we try to combine our quality time with walking mm. and so, yeah. And, and it's wonderful because you're out of the house. It doesn't cost anything. Right. There's distractions. Um, I don't take my phone with me. My husband does because he's, he's a, uh, a health, um, professional. And so sometimes people call who really need him. But but that that's that's just great that that walk and also when you're walking you you um, produce endorphins exactly. and so you're and so you're automatically happier you know walking with your husband than sitting at the table looking at bagels or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so 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 that's one one habitual behavior. Um, I I I pencil in. And I shouldn't say pencil in. I write in time for. Um, my kids, now I have, thank God, I have seven grown children. And so if I didn't make time for them, it wouldn't be there. Yes. And so, and, and my grandchildren, I'm, I'm, I'm cultivating some pretty amazing relationships with grandchildren who, who will call me when they have an issue and they don't want to necessarily discuss it with their parents How because awesome. to be a little bit more um, objective, a little bit yes. Just, yeah, so, so uh, you know, I, I, that's a, uh, something, you know, Thursday nights I make contact with a lot of my teenage grandchildren just to keep it, just to keep it alive and to remember uh, <laughs> that I'm there and I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, other behaviors, uh, the gym, you know, my, my yoga classes and my Zumba, I love to dance. Oh, I love to dance. and. It's just so important to be happy and to take care of yourself. I find um, that uh, a lot of the women that I coach will sit and talk to me about how their husbands don't make them happy. Mm. As we get deeper into the conversation, I ask them what they're doing to make themselves happy. Right. And they say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, who, you know, who's responsible for yourself? Your husband? And, 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 and you know, I just, I just feel that so much of the success of a good marriage is self-care. Yes. Which isn't about being selfish. It's about being selfless because you're making yourself into a better wife, a better mommy, et cetera, and so forth, because you're taking care of yourself and not harboring resentments. It's very hard to be doing Zumba and harboring resentments at the same time. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Very nice. So those are three of your biggies. Uh, I, I, I love them. And yes, I, I totally agree with that. You know, when I started dancing again, I hadn't danced or exercised regularly for many years. And then I, I just started again. And my husband's like, 
you got to keep doing this. You see how helpful it is. And it, it's, he's a hundred percent right. And you know, and so and nobody's touching my Zumba class for my schedule. <laughs> and, and eating well, yes. I don't take extra time to eat well. I, I, you know, I think it takes extra uh, willpower and extra consciousness to eat well. But I also think that every act of self-restraint is an act of self-respect. Mm -hmm. So just the very fact that um, something as, as um, it seems so nebulous as saying, I'm not going to eat standing up. You become so much more conscious about what food you're putting into your mouth. And then you become more... Um, pleased with yourself because of the fact that you've exhibited this level of self-restraint. And then that spills over into your relationships with your husband and your children. Because the more you love yourself, you know, it says, you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. Who are your neighbors? Your neighbor is your neighbor in bed, your neighbor in the house. It's your husband and your children. So how, if you love them like you love yourself and you don't love yourself, you're not giving them very much. <laughs> yes. You know what? It's so interesting. I heard, I heard Dina Hurwitz speak in Houston recently, and she said to us that one thing that she thinks we all, this generation needs to work on, it, which seems counterintuitive, but it's actually self-love. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Ruma, I feel like talking to women, I've found often three big triggers for three big stress triggers, and those are financial, shalom bayit, peace in the home, and parenting. And you've just given us a lot of insight, but maybe can you give us a short tip or word of wisdom regarding each of these, these three biggies in our lives? Sure. Um, the, the, the question is, which ones? <laughs> we have limited time. Um, in, in terms of, of marriage... I think that um, that there's there's a great little twist on the twelve steps statement. God grant me the courage to change the things I can. Mm -hmm. So I say, God give me the courage to change the people I can. The serenity to accept the people I cannot change. Mm. The wisdom to know that. That's, that, that's me. The only person that I can change is myself. And so in terms of having a good marriage, I think that, that the thing that we really need to work on is our own sense of respect, patience, love, acceptance, and not to try so hard to change our husbands. Right, right. Because we just can't. We just can't. But by changing ourselves, we can change the relationship. And I'm not saying that that means, you know, to, to, uh, to be a shmata, as they say in Yiddish. Mm -hmm. That, you know, yes, we have to absolutely have boundaries and stand up for ourselves and, and, and articulate what it is that we want and need. But, but, can we do that in a way that's assertive and not aggressive? Can we do that in a way that's loving? Can we do that in a way where we're avoiding criticizing our husbands, you know, and, and, and we give them information without being their mother and telling them what to do? Because more than anything, your husband wants to make you happy. So how can you, how can you tell him the things that are going to make you, him, you happy without him feeling guilty, inadequate, etc., and so forth. When you figure out how to do that, then he'll do his part, and then it, it works out so much better. So that's in terms of marriage. Mm -hmm. I, I would also say that, um, that when, we, when we really get the fact that, that, that our marriage is probably the, the most important tool in our lives that we have for our own self-transformation mm -hmm. and that it's where all of our strength is really going to come from when we start to put the energy into getting it right so it becomes the priority not one of our priorities and then that spills over into child rearing so yes. i'll take it from there which is that um you know when we can raise our children with one voice it, it it's really powerful and 
And when we can raise our children by um, cultivating cultivating the positive, meaning meaning being very specific about, I, you know, I noticed that you um, sh shared your your um, Pringles with your brother yesterday. That was really nice of you. Instead of saying, oh, you're such a nice boy. I'm so proud of you. You know, get, getting very specific about just like the little mitzvah notes that people have to write in school. Mm -hmm. Specific about what to see your kids doing that's positive. Catching them do something right. And trying to catch them doing something right at least once a day, every day. Um, not trying to not be on the phone when they need you. That's a huge one. That's a huge our, one nowadays. Oh my gosh, it's such a big one. They need to know that you love them more than anything in the world and that they're so important. And it's really, really hard because there's so much competition. My kid sent me a meme one day that said, I wish I could be like my parents' cell phone, that, pe that they looked at me lovingly all day long. Oh, gosh. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, catch your kids doing something right. Write it down. To, you know, model behavior for your kids of, of calm and, and of gratitude and, 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 um, and, and try and work on showing them, you know, if, if we can show our children a sense of calm, so we're also showing them a sense of spirituality, a sense of trusting in God. If, if we're panicked all the time, so it kind of, you know, gives them this message that, well, we might believe in the rituals, as you said before, but maybe we don't believe in the essence mm -hmm. that, that, you know, yeah. Right. And financial. Financial goes right back to what I was just saying, I think, which is that um, at the beginning of the year, there's a certain amount of money that's set aside from us for us, and no matter how hard we try, that's what we're getting. So, so to make financial things a factor but not the factor, to not, you know, the same way that we shouldn't define ourselves by other numbers, like how much we weigh and what our dress size is and how old we are. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't define ourselves by, you know, how much we have in the bank. And, and so if financial things don't become a priority and, and showing bias becomes bigger than finances or, or quality time with children becomes bigger than finances, um, it, you know, it, 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 it takes its prop, proper perspective. You know, it, it becomes something but not everything and and then it becomes easier to work it out work things out like but i really need that new dress you know if but but your husband just said things are really tight and i'm feeling really you know tense and it seems like you spend so much money at nordstrom's every month so where's the place to step back there and stop and think to yourself well wow if shalom bias is really the the basket for all the blessings, including how much money's in the bank. All right, I'm not going to defend myself right now. I'm going to step back and say, "Wow, I hear you. You're saying that you're really feeling tight about money. Let me see where I can cut some corners." Yes, and it also goes back to those values that you mentioned before, right? If I always tell people, you know, show me your bank account, your bank statement, and I'll show you where your values are. You know, where you're putting your money is sadly where you, you know, you might you might not realize, but that's where you're putting your your values, and maybe you need to rethink that. Yeah, yeah. All right, Fruma, this has been amazing. Let's wrap it up with what I call JLP fill in the blanks. And every one of my guests does this. And this is a part of a show when I give you an open-ended sentence and you fill it with the, la the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. All right, I'm Fruma Rosenberg-Gottlieb and I feel most spiritual when? I stay in the now mm. with trust and confidence that God loves me for exactly who I am. Oh, I love that. By the way, Fruma, do you meditate every day and for, in so I do. long? I do, but I don't meditate for very long because I don't have time for it. <laughs> so, so, so again, you know, going back to this idea of um, do you have the time to meditate? I take five minutes a day, five minutes, nice. and I feel that. Um, and and during that five minutes, I just work on 
you know, coming into uh, harmony with my breath, breathing in, breathing out, relaxing, letting go, and and thinking to myself, you know, Hashem runs the world. Hashem runs the world. Things are exactly the way they're meant to be, and and it it, it gives me uh, more effectiveness for um, going on with the rest of my day. So so I think I'm more efficient at everything else I do. Kind of just like tuning in the, the, the uh, screen on the TV. You know, I'm just putting the brightness and the contrast and just everything's a little bit clearer because I remember where I come from and who's nurturing me. Yes, yes. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is? I have to say it's lighting Shabbos candles. Mm, beautiful. I just do that. Just love it. Yeah. It was a, it was the first one I saw when I went to that Shabbos in, in uh, upstate New York, mm-hmm. and and it, it just reminds me of, of you know who I am as a woman that that um that I'm interested to bring in the Shabbos. I'm interested to bring the light into my house. I'm interested to be a lamplighter to the people around me by saying kind and empowering things to them, and uh, and that it's powerful. <laughs> very, 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 very. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Ah, uh, I think it's Pesach two years ago. Wow, I have, that, was, that was two years ago. What happened? So I, um, my, my oldest son um, remarried a few weeks before Pesach. He married a reformed rabbi. My, my um, middle daughter is, is married to a Karlbach rabbi. I have two sons who are extremely right, conservative kinds of, um, you know, labas, and um, and 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 some kids who are classic Jewish princesses. And I was now about to make it seder for this entire group. And eclectic would be the word to describe them. <laughs> I would call it a zoo. I would have to call it a zoo. This was our matzah zoo, and and. It was just so amazing to watch everybody um, get out of themselves and and get into the group and just respect what was happening around them and have so much fun. We sang so much. My my reformed daughter-in-law, who's incidentally the head of SAGE in Florida and an amazing educator, brought all kinds of props to the table. She threw plastic bugs all over the romaine lettuce that I had just spent hours, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> examining we we my 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 Karlbach, uh son-in-law taught us a new song about um about Manishtana that was just really a rocking out song and all the teenagers just got into it and were singing and hugging and and just the diversity and the joy of family was and 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 acceptance of the fact that we're all different and yet we're all one. Mm-hmm. It was just overwhelming. It was so beautiful. I could cry thinking about it. Beautiful. Something yeah. I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is. Um, something I wish I'd learned about Judaism growing up is, you know, I think um, modesty. Wow. Modesty. I grew up on the beach in Deal, and um, and uh, I had a very exciting life. <laughs> and and um, I, I I I just have so much um, awe and respect for young Jewish brides who stand under the bridal canopy, having never touched another man in their lives. How pure that is! There's no there's nobody to compare them to you know it's just so beautiful I you know I wish I wish I wish that we had all had that purity in our lives it's just it's beautiful beautiful when I give tzedakah I like to give to um I I like to give to every place I can afford to give it (laughs) (laughs) and finally I'm Fruma Rosenberg Gottlieb and today I'm most grateful for my family and my health and the wisdom that I've acquired over the years and, and having an attitude of gratitude. Bruma, you are wonderful. I am so happy I had you. I loved having this conversation with you. Please come again and visit me. <laughs> yeah, it would be my pleasure. My pleasure. Where, okay. where do we find you? Okay, so I am, um, we just opened a new website called awesomeagingthebook.com, Great. which, um, 
let you get into um, my coaching and into my speaking. Um, I have another older website that's just called Fruma, F-R-U-M-M-A dot info, which um, is probably easier to remember, um, but it's not as updated. But again, there's an option there for um, getting involved with coaching and speaking. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on the book. I can't wait to get my hands to it. Can we get it on Amazon also? You can get it on Amazon. Absolutely. Fantastic. Bruma, thank you so much. Thank you, Yael. Pleasure being with you. Thanks again to Fruma Rosenberg Gottlieb for stopping by. Her website is awesomeagingthebook.com. You can download a free chapter of the book over there. Find out all about coaching and speaking engagements with Fruma and her husband. The book is Awesome Aging and you can get it on Amazon or anywhere books are being sold. I think this is a must read for all of us regardless of our age. So I'm going to start it right away. The reviews are amazing. I can't wait to put my hands, get my hands on this book. And also appropriate for this time of year, I want to remind you to check out RebeccaSaltzman.com. You might remember Rebecca from episode 27. While she's starting her course, Conquer Your Clutter on April 5th, and offering all of you $100 off the purchase price with the code JLP100 at checkout. During the 10-week challenge, you will learn how to clear your clutter for good or conquer your clutter. I guess that's a better term. For good, for good, para siempre. And Rebecca is so confident about that that she will give you $30 back after you complete each challenge. What a great incentive to get to work and finally take control of your spaces. Yes, you can get $300 back over the course of the program. And do not forget that Jewish Latin Princess listeners and readers can claim $100 off the price with the code JLP100 at checkout. Go check it out at RebeccaSaltzman.com. I hope you continue to have a great Passover week. I'll be out on trips with my family until Thursday where I get to cook and prepare again for the last days of the holiday. The holiday begins again on Thursday night. To check, So check your local Jewish calendar for candle lighting times for Thursday and Friday. God willing, I'll be back next week with the super cool Mara Storm of Kosher on a Budget. Have a Moadim Lasimcha. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.